Good evening and welcome to the Asian American and Asian Research Institute's Friday Lecture Series Online Edition. I'm Anthony Wong, Program Coordinator of the Institute. Uh, thank you for joining us for tonight's talk on Pachapa Camp, the first Korea town in the United States by Edward T. Chang, joining us from California. Professor Chang is the recipient of a Mellon Foundation grant for his traveling exhibition that will be presented along with national Korean American community organizations in Washington, D.C., Chicago, San Francisco, and New Jersey. Uh, Edward T. Chang is a professor of ethnic studies and founding director of the Young Oak Kim Center for Korean American Studies at the University of California at Riverside. A prolific researcher, Professor Chang has published 12 books, uh, seven edited volumes, and numerous articles. Uh, his latest book, uh, Pachapa Camp, uh, the first Korea town in the United States, uh, published in 2021, received the grand prize from the Association for Studies of Koreans Abroad, and also featured in the New York Times, Los Angeles Times, NBC News, and PBS NewsHour. Uh, his other uh, publications include Korean Americans, A Concise History, and also a Korean translation of Lonesome Journey. Uh, a voice of the Korean community for more than 25 years, Professor Chang is a leading expert on the Los Angeles civil unrest, uh, race relations between Korean and African American communities and Korean Americans. Uh, his reflections on the 30th anniversary of the 1992 unrest appear in Saigu, Korean and Asian American journalists writing Truth to Power, which was published earlier this year by the UCLA Asian American Studies Center. And with that, please welcome Professor Chang. Uh, thank you for inviting me to present one of the, uh, to me, the fascinating story I was able to uncover. So let me share the screen. Here we go. The Dosan's Republic, the Pachapa Camp, the first Korea town in the United States. And I'm going to just skip this. Uh, you know, Korean immigration to the United States uh, can be divided into four different stages. Uh, Pre-1903, as you know, Congress designated January 13, 1903, as a Korean American Day to commemorate arrival of 102 uh, Korean immigrants into Hawaiian islands as a sugar plantation laborers. And uh, picture brides and political exiles and students came roughly between 1903 to 1924. And as you all know, 1924 Immigration Act prohibited all Asian immigration to the U.S. And the Korean immigration resumes around 1950 with outbreak of Korean War. And, of course, uh, new urban immigrants uh, mostly came after 1965. And today I'm mainly focusing on uh, this nine, from 1903 to roughly around 1919. And this is a, a newspaper report about uh, arrival of uh, 102 Korean laborers to Hawaii. And the story is about Tosan An Chang Ho. And he's very famous. Uh, patriot uh, political leader of uh, modern Korean history. And uh, in the state of California, uh, recognized him in as a Dosan An Changho Day in 2018. And the city of Riverside, based on research material I submitted to the city, designated the site of Pachapa Camp as a point of cultural interest in 2017. And prior to all this, in 2001, the uh, city of Riverside allowed Korean, local Korean-American community to erect this statue of An Chang-ho. And at the time, we really did not know anything about Pachapa Camp. Uh, we just knew he came to Riverside to uh, work as a citrus laborer, and his contribution was recognized by city, along with Martin Luther King statue, Cesar Chavez statue, the Martin Gandhi statue, and so this is known as a civil rights walk. I believe uh, Riverside is the only city that uh, all these four statues standing in downtown Riverside. And Tosan is his pen name, means Island Mountain. A voyage from Korea, he saw Hawaii 
in the you know in the Pacific Ocean. He was so moved by you know Pacific Ocean and uh, and mountain. He decided to name his pen name as Island Mountain. And he came to the United States three different time period, uh, 1902 to 1907. And most of his political works centers around uh, after 1911 to 1919, and his last journey from 1924 to 1926. The only, the first American experience that uh, from 1902 to 1907 there were very little was known about his activities, although there are tons of materials written about his political activism, leadership, and there are numerous books, articles, and journal articles. And we all knew about this very famous photograph of him picking oranges in Riverside and alongside by side with a fellow Korean laborers. And based on my research, as Professor Wong suggested, the Pachapa Camp exhibition was very successful. Uh, we had about three months uh, from October uh, 2021 to end of February 2022, and it was widely covered uh, by uh, news outlets, including PBS NewsHour. And those of you who might be interested in watching this, uh, piece uh, is uh, very well done, but let me skip this for now. And he ge generated the second highest major media press coverage in the history of uh, UCR arts, uh, including New York Times, LA Times, NBC News, PBS News Hour, NPR, JTBC, whatnot. So I'm very, I was very surprised and yet proud that uh, my discovery led to all this. Uh, major news coverage. This is the photograph of his wife, Helen Ahn, and his eldest son, Philip Ahn, and taken in 1907 in Riverside. And notice uh, Philip Ahn is holding this orange, right? So, and some of you may know, he's the first Asian American actor to receive a star in Walk of Fame, and he appeared more than 200 movies and TV dramas, and most famous is Kung Fu, and uh, appeared along with David Carradine. And his star is 6,200 6, blog of Hollywood Bloomberg. Anyway, so the whole research project began with this map. This is a map produced by New York-based Sanborn Insurance Company in 1908. And this is the downtown Riverside. The address, exact address is 1532 Pachapa Avenue. And it says, in small print, it said, Korean Settlement. The reason why it's known as a Pachapa camp is because it's located Pachapa Avenue. So people called it Pachapa Camp and Pachapa, uh, you know, Avenue. And I, this map was discovered early 2000 in at UC Riverside Library by undergrad students. And I knew of existence of this map, but because my you know, main research item, research topic, it was mostly focused on inter-ethnic relations between Korean American merchants and African American customers. Uh, I really didn't do anything until around 2016. I decided maybe I should look into this. Why is it in 1908 there is a Korean settlement in Riverside of all place? And I, I looked at all the major literature. Not, no one mentions anything about Korean settlement in Riverside, except the fact that Tosan An Chang Ho and fellow Korean immigrants came to Riverside to work as a laborer, as picking oranges. That was it, and there was no other materials available at the time. So I said to myself, uh, maybe I should look into it, maybe I can write an article, or, or at least op-ed, something like that. So I began to look up, and 
I found out that uh, the address has changed from 1532 Pachapa Avenue to 4032 Pachapa Avenue around 1930s and 4032 Commerce Avenue around 1950s. And current address is 3096 Cottage Street. So now it's owned by Southern California Gas Company. Unfortunately, we cannot really do anything about it. And this is another photograph. Uh, this is uh, An Chang Ho and his fellow Korean uh, laborers, along with women and children. So this is a very unusual at the time, unusual. And you notice the same place uh, this time. An Chang Ho is a photographer. He's taking photos of fellow Korean immigrants. This is the Gage Canal. And so this is kind of an interesting contrast. And this is another family photo that I was able to obtain. I'm not sure whether this is background is Pachapa Camp or nearby uh, Vine Street as Pachapa Camp shut down in 1918 and moved to nearby Vine Street. So I, this is a family photo of Yongyang Kim. And but not sure whether that's a Pachapa camp or nearby Vine Street. And there's a, a Violet Catherine Kim. She passed away a couple of years ago. And before she passed away, she donated everything that she possessed. And I, will, I found this photograph from her uh, items. The Pachapa camp begins around 1903 or 1904. And An Chang Ho arrived in San Francisco on October 14, 1902 with his wife via Vancouver and Seattle. Uh, because of uh, anti-Asian discrimination and lack of uh, employment opportunities, An Chang Ho decided to look for work elsewhere and decided to come to Riverside on March 23rd 1904. And as soon as he arrived in Riverside, he established the Korean Labor Bureau and as well as many other political and social organizations. And he's most famous for organizing Korean National Association in 1905, 1909. And also he established a Young Korean Academy in 1913. And like I said before, in the beginning, I didn't, didn't have much to go on, uh, except, you know, I was able to find peace here, there, and I was putting together a puzzle pretty much. But gold mine was Korean language newspaper called Shin Han Minbo, meaning New Korea. And this newspaper provided a lot of information that I did not know. And simply Korean historians uh, didn't look for uh, information because no one knew anything about the Chapa camp that existed from roughly 1904 to 1918. But I also found, you know, a bit of information from Mary Peck Lee's uh, autobiography, Ellen Thurn's writings, Lisa Charles, Golden, Mount, Golden Mountain, Bong Yun Choi's in Korean American, and Susan Ann Cody's uh, biography. They mentioned uh, their life in Riverside. And so I was putting it all together. Fortunately, I, I had uh, two graduate students from Korea University uh, came to Young Kim Center for as an interns around 2017. Like I said before, the Korean newspaper, uh, Shinaminbo, was written in old Korean. And so as a, you know, scholar, of, uh, although I'm an educated person, I'm not able to comprehend the Korean language, Hangul, written in old Korean. And that's when two graduate students from Korea University uh, their major was in is Korean literature, and their 
expertise is translating from old Korean to modern Korean. So with their support help, I was able to kind of interpret what went on from 1904 to 1918. And An Chang-ho established uh, Gongnib Hyepe, meaning Cooperative Association, uh, mostly the members from Riverside, the Chapa Camp, but the headquarters was established in San Francisco. And they told him to go to San Francisco and help newly settling uh, newly arriving Korean laborers, immigrants, to get a job and place to live. So he devised a what is known as Hawaii-San Francisco Riverside Plan. Those Korean laborers coming from Hawaii who landed in San Francisco, and most majority of the bachelors, young men, were sent to places like uh, Denver, Colorado, or, you know, or Sacramento, and whereas those fa- those men who came as a family with women and children was sent to Riverside. So that was a kind of a very remarkable. And I really uh, helped me understand why the Chapa camp was very unique and different from other Korean settlements where majority of settlers were young single men, just like a Chinatown, uh, mostly bachelor society. Whereas a Pachapa camp was not bachelor society, it was a family-based community. And also democratically run uh, organization, which was very unique. And An Chang-ho devised a Pachapa camp plan. He said, Physically strong, experienced Koreans were sent to Riverside Wilshire as a sample labor force. They were told to construct their own living quarters as soon as they arrived without asking for any money from Americans. And they were to organize a working team of 10 men, and each man on the team was supposed to follow the working guidelines. And on the capital today, in this land, nothing but honesty. He really, really emphasized honesty as a virtue. Work diligently without wasting time, whether your employer watches you or not. Then you will be working not only today, but tomorrow and even the whole year around. And if your employer has a confidence in you, then your friends, Kim Lee Park, will also get jobs And because your hard and honest work. This was a plan. And soon... Uh, they were able to uh, get more workers in Riverside. And at the time, labor contracting was pretty much monopolized by the Japanese labor contractors in California. And the Japanese labor contractors did not provide uh, labor contracting to Korean workers. So that's the reason why An chang decided to establish the Korean Labor Bureau in Riverside. And as soon as he's done that, uh, plant, uh, the owners of citrus industry began to hire Korean workers, and that's when they were complaining about. You know, he said, I mean, this is the reason why, because of the honesty, uh, diligently working, uh, whether employer is watching or not, soon their profit margin increased, and citrus industry owners, ranchers began to hire Korean workers. And he said, when you pick orange, you pick it for your homeland. When you clean a toilet, you do it for your country. And when we pick one orange, we must pick the orange as if our country's future depends on it. I mean, he was really, uh, you know, he was practicing praxis. Not only he was preaching honesty, but he was practicing himself and telling fellow Korean workers to be honest and work hard. That was his teaching. The physical description of Pachapi camp was a shanty town, and we live in a one small a uh, room shack built in 1880s. Originally, it was built by Chinese railroad construction workers 
working in Riverside. And after the completion of the railroad, they left, and that's when Korean immigrants moved in. After Korean laborers moved out in 1918, I was told it was occupied by Japanese workers uh, who lived nearby. So it kind of uh, began with the Chinese, by Korean and Japanese workers uh, later on. The passing of time had made lumber shrink, wind blew through the cracks in the walls, no pretense of making it livable. Just four walls, one window, one door, nothing else. We put mud in the cracks to keep the winds out, and the water pump served several shacks, and there was no running water or electricity. So it's a shanty town, right? Basically, you know, it was a place no one wanted to live except, you know, segregated. It was a segregated community. And the reason why I call this the first Korea town, it was a kind of a Korean, first Korean settlement in the United States. And there are many reasons why I call this. Number one, unlike other places, it was a family-based women and children community. And with Dosan's leadership, uh, he established, they called it the Dosan's Republic. And I did not know why they called it Dosan's Republic until much later recently. And he devised democratic principles and rules and regulations and he, uh, all the elected officials and you know, you remember the Korea was still kingdom until 1910. Uh, Japan colonized Korea in 1910, but in 1905 he was already practicing democracy in Pachapa Camp in Riverside, and he established a Korean Labor Bureau in 1905, and he uh, also independence organizations, and it was not a, simply a labor camp, but all kinds of different activities, including wedding ceremony, birthday parties, and Korean mission, and many other discussion groups. And also another very important historical landmark uh, case uh, occurred in 1913, known as the Hemet Valley Incident, and it triggered diplomatic crisis between United States and Japan, as the Japanese government be, uh, tried to claim Koreans in the United States as uh, Japanese subjects, and they have a right to intervene on behalf of Korean laborers, whereas Korean immigrants refuse to be recognized or refuse to be represented by Japanese government. So they were able to establish their own uh, identity as a Korean in the United States. So that's you know, another very interesting, important story. In the beginning, when I began my research project, I thought that, you know, it was a small community around 60 or 70 or so. However, I found out and in the Korean newspaper in 1905, uh, San Francisco, there were 103 Korean uh, population, whereas Riverside has a 70 uh, members of Kongyipyapek. However, remember the Kungipepe membership was only men. Women and children were not included. So if you include women and children, the number could be around 100 as well. Two years later in 1907, San Francisco had 291 Korean population and Riverside had 150. And if you include women and children, close to probably 200 or so. And during the orange picking season, uh, from late December to uh, early February, they also hired uh, more than 100 temporary uh, workers. And so if you add or add them up uh, in the, at the height of Pachapa camp, uh, could be over 300. That number is incredible because around 1910, total po Korean population in mainland United States did not exceed 800. So if you say 800, more than one third were residing, working, living in Pachapa camp, which is very significant. <clears throat> this is the 
Korean uh, newspaper, Shinan Minbo, October 5th, 1910. When I found this uh, newspaper report, I, I was so elated. He said, he confirmed my argument. He says, Riverside is the first Korean settlement in the United States. The first Korean National Association chapter was established in Riverside. And it was uncertain if Riverside Koreans community can maintain itself as many Korean laborers moved frequently to other places. However, Mr. Insu Kim and his family settled in Riverside and provided leadership in maintaining Korean settlement. And his son, Yongyeon, negotiated rent for Korean workers, and Insu Kim paid for a shortage of community center maintenance fund. The Mr. Insu Kim is a distant relative of Dosan Anchang's wife, and so he was instrumental maintaining this Pachapa Kim family in the absence of An Chang-ho, who frequently visited other places throughout the United States, as well as Korea, China, Russia, Europe. So he was, he was organizer. He was constantly uh, visiting different places to organize Korean workers. And another uh, literature confirmed my argument soon became become the first largest Korean settlement in America, at least during orange season of each year for a number of years. Subsequently, smaller Korean communities, camps, sprung up in the nearby town of Redlands, Upland, Claremont, which were offsprings of a main settlement which was in Riverside. And this is written by Yusuf Emson Char, his autobiography, published in 1961. Uh, Golden Mountain. And the Korean National Association was established in 1909, and by 1912, it had more than 800 chapters throughout the world, including North America, Hawaii, Siberia, Manchuria, and as well as many other places. And Mexico, even Mexico, uh, Yucatan, uh, St. Petersburg, and uh, it became the only overseas Korean organization with worldwide chapters. And I'm going to skip this. Ramji, and this is another very uh, famous photograph of An Chang-ho in working clothes, a laborer. Uh, he, you know, he was not simply intellectual leader. He was a leader who practiced praxis. Uh, and fellow uh, Korean workers, as well as more Eastern European-looking, as well as uh, Mexicans. So the multi-racial uh, labor force in Riverside. This is a passport I'm going to just skip. And this is another uh, newspaper article I uh, accidentally uncovered. It's a San Francisco Chronicle. Uh, December 7, 1902, about a month and a half after he arrived in San Francisco, he did a full-page interview with San Francisco Chronicle reporter. And that's his uh, photo with his wife. And uh, so this reporter was very interested in learning about Korea. Uh, and you notice at the time they used C, not K. And he knew about China and Japan, but he uh, very little was known about Korea. So most of the stuff written here is about how Korea was backward, uh, uncivilized, you know, pretty much. Just, but in the, in the end, it talks about why he came to the United States to be educated, to learn about democracy. So that's how we got this. And this is his business card, Korean Labor Bureau. And, in, and whenever he, traveled elsewhere, he often wrote to his wife in Pachapa, uh, 1532 Pachapa Avenue. So uh, Pachapa Camp uh, was, uh, you know, really uh, his early settlement, very important. This is the uh, Philip Arns Korean mission. And 
baptized uh, card here, Philippines. And so again, it's in the Pachapa camp. And this is another very important photograph. Uh, this is the Pachapa camp as a community center, as well as a Korean mission. Many all the community functions took place in this building. And this photograph was taken in 1911. Uh, An Chang-ho returned back to Korea in 1907 to engage in secret independence activities uh, called Shinminhui, New Korea. Uh, but after Korea was colonized by Japan in 1910, uh, he decided to return back to the United States. So he went to from China to Russia to England and finally landed in New York in September 1911 uh, and arrived in San Francisco, Los Angeles, and finally came to Riverside in late uh, September 1911. After uh, he came back to Riverside, the, he, the Korean laborers, Korean workers, and Korean leaders welcomed him. Their leader came back. So they decided to hold third Korean National Association of North America Convention in Riverside. So this is the group photo taken uh, during and after this convention, 1911 convention. You notice they're all you know, wearing uh, uh, ties and the women wearing traditional white clothing with the children. They were the delegates of uh, different, eight different Korean National Association chapters in North America. And they held meeting from November 23rd, 1911 to December 4th, 1911. They, they had, they held meeting day and night for 10 days. And they passed 21 articles of a governance. And, you know, until now, no one really knew anything about this, uh, 21 articles of a governance. And I finally found out why it was called Dosan's Republic. Because at the convention, they passed this 21 article of governance is about separation of powers. They established executive branch, judicial branch, and, and, uh, what is, uh, judicial, executive, and what is, what's the other body? And anyway, separation of powers. And so, it was run like a democratic principle. So this is very important uh, historical places. So this is, you know, what I just uh, described. It's declared the Korean National Association was established by constitutional republicanism. Congress of the Korean National Association shall administer a regional conference and on the, so they were ex establishing uh, executive branch and it claimed the Korean National Association represent all Koreans abroad. So the intangible government. So they, they were declaring to the world that we are independent nation uh, with a democratic principle. I'm going to skip it. Mary Peck Lee, uh, she uh, published her, her autobiography in the, in the early stage. She talks about uh, her life at the Pachapa camp. And that's her at the Irving, Washington Irving, first grade. That's her family. And I also found... Uh, annual report of a board of home missions of the Presbyterian Church in the United States, published in 1918. He said, Riverside, another happy group of Christians, he says, somewhat distinguished from other stations by number of young wives and their children. Again, it really confirms that Pachapa camp was very special, unique place where other places were mostly young single men, Pachapa camp was most a family-based community. 
And I also found this headstone at the local cemetery. And, and I did not know who he was. Sun Hak Kim. And I found out, uh, he arrived in Honolulu, uh, in Hawaii, October 18, 1904. And later on, he came to Riverside and he worked as a pastor in Korean mission. And he became the leader of Korean National Association, but he died suddenly in the buggy accident in 1919. This is a newspaper article uh, about his death. Another very interesting uh, thing about him is that funeral services was held on 25th, 1919, 10 a.m. Amsterdam Church, 46 persons attended, and Reverend uh, Chan Min and 19 came from L.A., Upland Claremont, and 14 non-Koreans. He was working at the uh, Glenwood Hotel, owned by Frank Miller. And he invited every guest to his hotel and provided lunch. And which was, at the time, very special because, you know, Korean and Asians were viewed as uh, second-class citizens and subject of discrimination. But, uh, you know, r- remarkably, uh, Frank Miller decided to invite every guest to his hotel. I also found this another headstone at the same uh, Evergreen Cemetery in Riverside. And it says, Taesung Kim's tombs. And he died very young age. And I did not know who he was. Again, looking at the Korean newspaper and local newspaper, uh, I found out he died of cancer. And not only that, he was eldest son of Suna Kim. So, you know, family tragedy. He was only 28 years old. This was another headstone I found. Uh, but, you know, Koreans, as you know, Koreans are very uh, religious, uh, Christianity, uh, Protestantism. So they affiliated with Calvary Presbyterian Church of Riverside and established a Korean mission. And Korean mission, uh, it says, Established, only been established a year, but strong organization, majority of the members are converts from missions in Korea. There are 50 to 60 members, boys from mission attended Calvary Church regularly. Young people from Mother Church spend almost every evening teaching the young Koreans how to read and speak English language. And there's a strong connection. And this is official bulletin of Calvary Presbyterian Church. He recognized he had two uh, ministry, Korean and Spanish. But this bulletin is a, a fire. But after 1918, it dis, uh, disappears. So you know uh, the Korean mission of Pachapa Camp uh, abolished in 1918. And I went through the church records. And as I went through, I found many uh, rec- uh, documentation about Korean members. And finally found this is a Korean membership directory. All the names and when they joined the church, when they left. So this was, you know, very important historical document. However, by November 17, 1918, uh, bulletin format changed and no mention of Korean and Mexican mission. Mexican mission, they established their own separate independent church nearby. Uh, there's nothing about Spanish or the Korean mission. By 1918, the rumor of closure of Korean National Association of Riverside chapter was uh, reported by the Sinaminbo. New Korea. We reported last issue the Riverside chapter of the KNA having financial difficulties and unable to maintain building. Hard-working Riverside chapter members are unhappy at the news report 
Although we don't know who spread the rumor, people are not coming to here due to bad orange harvest. However, we are proud that we have been able to maintain building support the Korean National Association. We paid off all Korean National Association Riverside chapter debt, and we still teach Korean to children at Korean school. On Sunday, 20 or so attend church services. How can you close the Riverside chapter Korean National Association building? But soon after, uh, they were, and he said, Korean language school in Riverside, unable to maintain building, so we decided to combine with the church, and it signaled the beginning of decline of KNA, Riverside chapter, and decided on July 4th, 1918, majority of the members relocated to other areas and suspended meeting temporarily, and by November 10, 1918, they, they closed down Pachapa camp and moved to 1158 uh, Vine Street. That's a very nearby uh, Amtrak station is located today. And another interesting fact about uh, Pachapa Camp is that women played very important active roles. And by 1919, women decided to perform duty as a member of Korean National Association, and and they said they had a meeting in April twenty second. He said, opening remark, President, prayer, Chungsa Park, salute, national flag, and congratulatory remark by Chungsa Park and national anthem by Chungsa Park's wife. And speech was performed by Chungsa Park's wife, and prayer, mother of Ung Ni. So, you know, this is a very remarkable story because the Korean National Association decided to give full membership to women equal to that of men in 1918. And that's two years before women gained suffrage here in the United States. So An Chang-ho's visionary leadership, he decided the women is equal to men, and the women have full right, equal membership rights, as well as duty as a man. So women became fully participating member of a Korean National Association as of 1918. That's another very important uh, historical uh, leadership by An Chang-ho. And we praise decision made by women of Riverside Chapter of Korean National Association, who decided to perform duty equal to men. And Wung Kyung Lee's wife is working at the hospital, decided to donate for our society and country. We praise her that dedication and goes on and on. And they also led anti-Japan, uh, Japanese product boycott, right? Boycott of Japanese soy sauce and products. I'm going to skip this. Yeah, this is a story of a Hemet Valley incident. Uh, I'm not, I'm going to go quickly here. 11 workers from Riverside were hired by the local apricot uh, rancher in Hemet Valley. And, but he, they were, as soon as they arrived at the railroad station, there were more than 200 white mobs waiting and shouting them to go back to where you came from. So they were forced to return back to Riverside, Pachapa camp. And when this incident occurred, uh, Japan found out about this. And like I said before, they tried to intervene on behalf of Korean workers, claiming that Koreans in the United States are Japanese subjects, just like they claimed Koreans in Manchuria, Northeast China, as Japanese subjects, and they sent Japanese troops and police into Manchuria and attacked China in 1930s, right, 1937. But they tried to do the same here in the United States, but Korean workers refused, and they sent a 
telegram uh, to Secretary of uh, State William Jennings Bryan uh, saying, we Koreans in the United States are not Japanese subjects. Please recognize as a Korean, not Japanese subjects. And the, because the Japanese government formally launched a, a complaint to the United States, it became diplomatic crisis between U.S. and Japan. And Secretary of the State William Jennings Bryan declared Koreans in the United States are not Japanese subjects. Uh, they are Korean and they are represented by the Korean National Association. Therefore, Japan, Japanese government have no rights to intervene on behalf of Korean workers, Koreans in the United States to settle the issue. Which is a very important historical or uh, political decision for Korean workers. And this is the kind of a, he's, that's his, the eldest, youngest son of uh, An Chang Ho, Ralph An, and uh, he passed away a couple of years ago. So, and this ends, uh, but it's a kind of a conclu conclusion. Yeah, I went over this already, uh, and Pachapa Kem uh, is a nationalist, independence movement activism was production and reproduction of success of Pachapa Camp model community. That was one of the uh, conclusion uh, written by PhD thesis, written by uh, uh, Sung Won Choi, Academy of Korean Studies in 2020. Uh, she uh, uh, heard my lecture and she decided to write her thesis on Pachapa Camp and his political activism. And that was her conclusion. So I was uh, really happy to see her PhD thesis as well. And the democratic republicanism of modern Korea. You know, in 1919 in Shanghai, as Korean leaders established Shanghai provisional government of Korea, they declared democratic republicanism as a form of governance. And to this date, we really don't know the origins of democratic republicanism of Korea. Uh, there is a lot of speculation, but I decided to make argument that you remember 11, uh, 21 articles of governance that I uncovered in 1911 at Riverside has a direct link to this Shanghai-based Korean provisional government. And I'm making their argument. I have written another article uh, about this, and they established Central Council, is which is essentially the intangible government and the democratic principle. And so I, I, I'm making this strong argument that democratic republicanism originated from the United States of all places, Pachapa Camp. That's my argument. And if you are interested in learning more about uh, this, uh, you can get this book at Amazon.com. And I'm going to wrap it up and maybe we can do Q&A. Thank you so much. Uh, just to uh, discuss the traveling exhibition that you received, the uh, uh, Mellon Foundation grant for. Uh, what's the schedule right now uh, for when it might arrive over here and also the rest of the country? Yeah, uh, thank you for asking. Uh, we are still uh, working on it, designing the traveling exhibition. First exhibition will be take place in San Francisco from June 29th to July 31st, uh, 2024. And the second exhibition will take place in Virginia, Arlington, uh, Washington, D.C. around and October 5th to November 15, 2024. And third will be in your area, New Jersey, a Korean Community Center from January 15 to February 15, 2025. The last one will be in Chicago from June 1st to June 30th. 
2025. And then we will uh, have another exhibition in Riverside uh, after the, uh, all the tour uh, exhibition is completed. And um, in terms of the design, uh, how much will it differ from the one that is was previously shown at UC Riverside? I mean, what what type of things are you? Uh... It'll be almost uh, uh, similar, but we are rearranging because we need to make it more uh, travel friendly. So we we need to have a completely new design with a different uh, you know things, but. The major content will be similar. Okay. Um, will it be mainly photographs, narratives, or will there be some sort of uh, voice narration involved? <laughs> some sort of technical aspect <laughs> to it? <laughs> well, you know, we are working on uh, mostly the old photographs, the books, the display. Uh, and, but we are, we may uh, include that. I'm uh, talking to actually what you are suggesting to, uh, right now to someone who might be interested in doing this uh, voice narrative. And San Francisco is also interested in doing that as well. So we are still in, uh, you know, devising. We are still working toward that. Uh, we don't know yet. Okay. Uh, then in terms of, uh, your book, uh, you, you said your research started around 2017-ish. So how, how long did it take to put everything together? And then uh, how long was the editing process just to get it out? Yeah, it began around 2016. And like I said before, in the beginning, I I did not have anything. So like uh, I've been telling uh, reporters and other scholars that it was like a you know, trying to find a needle in haystack. And there was nothing in the beginning. But as I began to find one piece at a time, I was, this, you know, I call this, this is one of the most, you know, satisfying research project I've ever engaged in because, you know, I had to start from scratch. There is nothing in the beginning. Uh, although, like I said before, uh, An Chang-ho is a well-known political figure. There are tons of materials written about him, but no one bothered to look Korean settlement in Riverside of all place. So, you know, as I uncover all these written materials and piece it together, it took about a year and a half or two years uh, and finally get the full picture of what went on. And uh, a lot of historically important Events took place, like a Hammer Valley incident, which uh, established a du jour, uh, you know, citizenship for Korean uh, uh, Koreans and not as a Japanese subject, which is very important uh, because, you know, Jap Japanese government trying to intervene and uh, many other democratic republicanism, the women's involvement, women's rights. So all this very new. And I think I believe uh, it'll change the modern Korean history because I I even the women's movement in 1918, the Korean National Association decided to give full membership rights to women. This is a very revolutionary idea at the time. So, you know, I, I believe as this, you know, materials uh, begin, uh, begin to get to know in the research in Korea, I think it'll have a major impact. Bryce Baker says that the leader sounds like a very dynamic person. Curious to know about his background in Korea. Did he come from an educated family? No, actually, no. Uh, I mean, they, of course, his parents came from aristocratic Yangban class, uh, but he was Christian. He converted to Christianity uh, in Korea, but uh, he, he was, you know, very charismatic young leader. Uh, he decided to come to the United States to learn more about, you know, Christianity as well as democracy. And that's the reason why he came with his wife. And his wife is also very visionary. And <clears throat> she insisted that I come with you, right? He, he initially, he was going to come to the United States by himself. But she said, no, I, I go with you. So they came, they, I believe they are the first 
Korean couple to arrive in the United States together. But uh, he was not educated in the United States either. Although his uh, reasoning for coming to the United States is, is education, uh, he was too busy organizing uh, and Korean leaders, Korean workers. So his life in the United States was all about traveling and organizing and establishing uh, political organizations and whatnot. So he was always busy uh, meeting, uh, working, organizing, traveling. So he's not really highly educated person. And he did all this in during his tw- 20s. I mean, remarkable. So young, so young. You know, can you imagine when I was 20? I, I had, I did not have that kind of a vision, you know, wow. looking back, you know. <laughs> uh, he did all this in 20s and 30s. Remarkable. Real pioneer. Uh, yeah. Bryce says uh, they noticed one picture was of school children and looked multi-ethnic. Uh, did the Korean children from the camp attend public schools? Yes, yes. They attended uh, Riverside Public School because, you know, the Asian population was so small, you know, they cannot really have their own segregated school like a Chinatown in San Francisco, right? So they, they attended regular public school. Yes, very small. Uh, Claire Han uh, says, thank you very much for a great presentation and congratulations on your book. Uh, they like to ask about your methodology and how you develop your argument by investigating multiple uh, resources. Uh, it's new to them that Dosan was interested in taking uh, pictures of his community. Uh, <laughs> How can you read photography as historical material? And do you think Dosan might be considered, uh, might have considered photographs as historical documents? Might well be. I don't know. I don't have any proof. Uh, I don't have any documentation at this time. But, uh, you know, he, he was highly unusual, uh, leader. You know, the reason why I believe he began to publish New Korea uh, in Korean language newspaper is because he was inspired by when he did interview with San Francisco Chronicle, the reporter uh, took him to San Francisco Chronicle and showed him around of the, how the newspaper is being made and published. So I think he, he saw the need to connect and send out the publications and news outlets. So I think he had a vision of publishing newspaper. But this, you know, one unique uh, photograph uh, titled Photographer, that that photograph, I believe, is possessed by the L.A. County uh, Public Library System. And they titled it Photography, Photographer, An Chang-ho. Uh, so, you know, he may well have, you know, imp- saw the importance of, uh, recording, uh, historical document with photography. You know, that's the reason why, uh, he took photos of himself as well as working with other, uh, multi-ethnic labor force in Riverside and different places. And that's a very good question. I uh, maybe the, uh, research subject matter, that you may want to explore further. So when you re- when you uh, uncover some of these photographs, receive them. What was the quality of them? Uh, did you have to do a lot of restoration? No, no. Most of the photographs photographs uh, were stored in USC Korean American Digital Archive, so anyone can access that. But of course, it's an old photograph, so the quality is not you know absolutely. Uh, good quality, but it's there. And uh, I'm, I was more interested in, you know, learning uh, the context and the meaning of these photographs. So, but uh, of course, if, if someone can uh, make it high resolution photograph, that'll be even better. Thank you very much, Professor Chang, for a wonderful presentation. Um... You can uh, look forward to checking out the traveling exhibition, uh, as he said, in person when it arrives in New Jersey in early 2025. Uh, you can purchase uh, Professor Chang's book, uh, Pachapa Camp, uh, in paperback for $39.99 from Amazon, uh, the link I, I provided in the chat. And it's also available on Professor Chang's uh, web talk page. With that, 
enjoy the rest of your weekend. Uh, remember to be upstander if you see a fellow person in need and see you all again soon. And thank you very much, Ed, for a wonderful presentation. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me.